because I was the first one in my family to do law enforcement. So I have a pretty big family on both sides. My mom and dad have uh, lots of brothers and sisters, uh, lots of uncles and aunties, and all the cousins did other stuff. And I think if I had gone in the same pathways as them, then it would be like too much, too easy to just compare. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black and Blue Podcast. I appreciate everybody for joining me here today. I got an officer out here from Bellevue, Washington. He is a 15-year veteran of that police department out there in Bellevue, Washington. Everybody help me please welcome in my guest today, Craig Hanaumi. What's going on, brother? Good morning, Dale. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So what's happening out there in uh, in Bellevue, Washington? What's the weather like out there today? Uh, low 40s and uh, overcast. So <laughs> not, just not another day in Washington, right? Just another day in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got us beat. Actually, I think it's uh, look on my temperature and watch it. It's 37 degrees out here where I'm at. Wow. In, in Cali. So what's <laughs> We, we, we had a warmer one of the two. So yeah, I know. What, what happened with that? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you heard of Big Bear. I'm close to Big Bear, uh, okay. where the snow is and all that. So that's what, that's yeah. why it's a little cold over here. But I'm at the I'm at the bottom. No snow down here. So <laughs> right. all right. So I mentioned you are a 15-year veteran at the Bellevue Police Department. What do you do over there now? Uh, right now, I am one of our department's community station officers. We have storefronts in our city with two different malls and I work out of one of them. I'm actually temporarily assigned back to patrol um, until we reopen stuff. So I still get to do a little bit of the, the stuff that I would be doing at the community station, but um, currently I'm connected to our patrol division. Okay. And, and that's because of COVID and? Yeah, the, when the thing in about April, um, our substations are staffed by mostly retirees. So due to the pandemic, they told them it'd be safer to just stay at home. Yeah. And when um, we still utilize them to write reports and things like that, but when when they're not there, um, since they weren't there and just for staffing, we all the station officers and school officers were put back into patrol and hopefully we get to go back soon. But um, in, in, in the meantime, we still get to do a little bit of uh, the stuff that I'll be doing in my uh, original position. So. All right. It's, it's well, been been as good as I can uh, and ask for, I guess, considering yeah. the circumstance. You guys getting the vaccine up there? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Are, are you getting it? Couple I got it. I got my second shot a couple of days ago. Um, I'm oh, yeah. a little sore. Yeah. How how did you do? Tired. That's it. I was a little bit tired, but um, I don't know. First, probably against my better judgment, I did I did a like super hard workout like right after I got the shot. So. <laughs> That probably wasn't the smartest idea. But, Maybe not. Um, all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Okay. Yeah, because I heard the, uh, I already got my first shot. I get my second one next week. And I heard the second one is worse than the first one. The the first one, you know, my arm was like, felt like I got a Clayton Kershaw fastball on my arm. Or so, you know? <laughs> yeah. For sure. And um, I, I also heard that. Uh, but so far, so good for me. But you did good. All right, man. We'll, we'll. We'll pray for you. Hopefully that that's all it is. And uh, and then all of us get these this vaccine so that we can move on and get back to normal. I miss I miss restaurants and movies and and concerts. And I miss all that. So hopefully we can get back back to that. Some semblance of that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was it was a crazy summer all over the U.S. You know, we had, uh, you know, the protests and 
with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all that type of stuff. Did, did you guys get hit with any protests up there? Mm -hmm. Yep. You did? Western Washington had a lot. We uh, did mutual aid for a few agencies as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that our community in our city is supportive of, of us. And um, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. For those of us that don't know, where is Bellevue in relation to, say, Seattle, where everybody knows? Uh, it's about what, eight, eight, ten miles east. So very close. Okay. Uh, oh, so right you're in the, the So you're right there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Did you guys have to help them out, or were they good? Uh, that, yeah, I saw all the videos and looked like they they didn't do much. <laughs> they just let things yeah. happen over there, from what I saw. So. It was pretty crazy. Because I, I don't, I don't work for SPD, but uh, yeah, we send mutual aid to uh, yeah to their their precinct, and right. uh, same thing in reverse. Um, I think a lot of the departments in the Western Washington area have a uh, 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 agreement to do mutual aid and uh, assist when there's um, any kind of activity, not just protests, but anything for uh, critical incidents or other calls. So I think it seems like it's a good relationship between the agencies in the region yeah yeah that's good so are you are you originally from washington or where are you from originally no i'm from Aya, Aya hawaii on oahu and um uh -uh. yeah All i've right. been up here about 15 years about 15 years what, what brought you to the mainland <laughs> uh so I, I was a honolulu uh police officer back home and um, i was working for hpd for three years and um, like a lot of people who live in the islands, uh, it's really expensive. Uh, my ex at the time wanted to relocate to the mainland and those two things combined. And I, I, had, any, I had no other reference for our job besides what I was doing uh, with HPD. So I don't know, I initially didn't want to leave, but um, it worked out pretty good. Um, cost of living prices people out a lot, not just in our job, but in Pretty much every job and uh, it's just it's not cheap it's not um it's not easy to live in the state the cost of living is really really yeah. high and and the pay is is less too so wow. it's uh that causes a lot of people to leave people go away uh from from home for school and um and work but uh yeah not just yeah. it's not exclusive to law enforcement for sure pretty much every job has the same dilemma. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to live. It's, it's nice to vacation, but it's hard to make a living. Yeah, there. yeah. I wanna, I wanna, I've never been to Hawaii. I wanna, I wanna get out there. We got some friends whose daughter goes to uh, uh, one of the universities out there. So mm -hmm. maybe we can get out there and visit, visit her. But yeah, yeah I, I've been meaning to get out there. So yeah. And then why'd you pick Washington and Bellevue in particular? West Coast. Um, the I lucked out getting into my department. I didn't I moved up site unseen, and uh, I just started applying to different places. And Delview was one of the first ones to give me a job offer, and I was really lucky. I mean, there was a lot of places I applied to, and I think this department was the best fit for me. Yeah. So I really lucked out to to get picked up by them, and yeah, it's worked out. It's worked out well. Right, right. Were there different departments in, in different states that you applied to, too, or no, just Washington? Just, yeah, I think back then it was really interesting because now I'm kind of looped into our recruiting and um, the hiring process for laterals has changed quite a bit since I lateraled to here. Uh, it used to be identical for entry level in Washington, uh, entry level and lateral applicants. But the process for hiring is is very different now for for those two categories. And um like we had to do a PT test and the, I think the steps back when I lateraled here were identical to entry level. Like every yeah. step was the same, yeah. which was, um, you know, I, I, I did it, but, uh, and then I you had to pass the, the state test for the, uh, for the, to become a peace officer there. You had to know the laws and all that type of stuff. There's, yeah. There's a, there's an equivalency Academy that is right. uh, completed. And I believe now most of it is online from, um, the CJTC, the Criminal Justice Training Commission down in Burien here. And mm -hmm. uh, that, that yeah, that has to get completed sometime before, um, I guess, the end of the probation period. Right. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. Glad, glad you found your spot, found your niche over there. 
What 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 is your background? Are you you Hawaiian Japanese? What, what is your background? Uh, fourth generation Japanese American. So all right. Uh, grandparents on both sides moved from uh, moved to Hawaii. I think in the eight, late eighteen nineties. Nice, nice. And then, uh, do, do you speak any Japanese or? No, you know it's unfortunate because my parents. Uh, I think my grandparents did, were encouraging my parents to not speak because back then the like old-fashioned thinking about you can confuse yeah. you know the person and that's unfortunate because uh, we went to Japanese school and stuff like that but um, I don't have it enough to converse and I think the only way is I got to get the immersion like I'll go to like Japan or something and just stay there or something one yeah. that's on my bucket list um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I can I can say enough to say I don't understand. <laughs> you can say enough so you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Koshi means a little bit in Japanese, and that's that's Skoshi is pretty much my the extent of my conversation ability. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, you can get back there and put that on your bucket list. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's good stuff. So, uh, you know, out of the things you, you we we're talking about earlier that you. You think you worked out a little bit? You're you're a big workout fiend, right? You you work out all the time. You're in good shape and try to be. I mean, I was never in high school. I didn't really do that much. I did cross country. You know, that was the one sport that didn't seem like there was cuts in it, so you could just be on the team. And uh, so you're a runner. No, I wouldn't say that. I, <laughs> I was cross country, but I would definitely not call myself a runner. I ran, but I think running to me would be like. A person who's a runner would have to be good at it, and I was I was okay, you know. Uh, I, I I didn't I don't have the physical makeup of I th- I don't think what a runner should be like. I have short legs and kind of stocky, so not not really a prototype build for running. But that's what I did in high school uh, for the most part. But uh, yeah, after high school, I just kept uh, getting into exercise. I worked as a personal trainer for a little bit, so I got exposed to different modalities of exercise like olympic weightlifting and um the tr- the standard i guess bodybuilding kind of exercises and that always interests me so it was more like after college uh beginning of college and then continued after college and uh just kept going till till now so yeah 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 i just it's a it's a work applicable um i guess attribute right for us so right yeah why yeah. not get it Got to stay on top of your fitness and your health so that you can, you know, for one, do our job because it's, you know, the unexpectability of our job. You can uh, you can go from zero to 100, and, you know, like that. So you, you got to stay on top of your fitness and then the stress involved sure. with our job. And yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, from a wellness standpoint, yeah, exercise is great. I mean, you know, it's uh, therapeutic, right? Good for you. Multiple, multiple wins, right? When you when you have fitness in your lifestyle for any any job. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing that you're into is is jujitsu and defensive tactics, right? Yeah, same thing. Um, they, they kind of bleed over into each other, right? They overlap because of the fitness parallel. And um, same thing, work applicable, uh, fascinating hobby to uh, really, for analytical people, I think they would really enjoy jujitsu just because of how much um, the unlimited uh, positions and moves and counter moves like then it never ends so i think uh it's really for a person who gets bored with a routine that is the same thing i think uh jiu-jitsu would be great for that because you literally can train you know every day for whatever 20 years this is my 12th year right now and um still learn something new every every time yeah. now are there, are there levels you know in in jiu-jitsu Master. Uh, yeah, most most places have uh, belt ranks. Uh, not the the traditional uniform, the gi or the kimono. People who wear that uh, connect to belt ranks, and uh, mm-hmm. there's there's only five belts in adult jujitsu: uh, white, blue, purple, brown, and black. And then within each belt, there are uh, four designated stripes that are put on the belt, so to replace multiple colors. Right, like some arts have. Like 12 13 belts there's only five mm-hmm. and within each belt rank there's four stripes per belt that a person can earn or i guess we, some people call it a degree first second third fourth and then you get progressed to the next one um subjective you know like every school every instructor has a criteria in their own mind and i guess that can kind of be confusing for some people because uh 
you know, one person's idea of what the rank is might be different from somebody else's. And there's no one unifying organized body that would say, um, I think unlike judo, which has, I guess, curriculum and things like that, um, jujitsu, the grappling art, as we know it kind of currently, doesn't really have that. So, um, yeah, and some people don't use um, the uniform like that at all. They just wear compression shirts or rash guards, we'll call it, and mm-hmm. um, shorts or spats. And they grapple right. with that. And they call it, that's the nogi uh, people, which is more uh, comparable to uh, what looks like wrestling in yeah. a little bit, you know, as far as what you would wear, because you want to wear like a long sleeve shirt in a wrestling match. But um, right. it's all good. I mean, there's lots of, like I said, there's lots of parallels and connections to our work because of the aspect of having to uh, close quarter engage with another human being, you know, who is trying to yes. not cooperate. And um, I mean, just from that aspect alone, it's it's definitely very, very helpful to have a uh, familiarity in that uh, fighting range. Now, do you do you use that experience as, as a collateral duty or anything in your department? Uh, well, I'm one of our uh, defensive tactics field instructors, and um, might as well be, you know, like I think if anybody who has an interest in this that does law enforcement in jujitsu anyway should, I feel like it's kind of selfish if you don't put yourself in positions to reteach or help other officers. Um, so I, I get to, I get to do that and uh, we get to sometimes use that interest to attend training, Yeah. which I mean, to be honest, like we would do for free anyways. For sure, uh, yeah. or even pay for ourselves, you know, because it's just if you enjoy the thing that you're doing, then it's not, it doesn't feel like work. And the trainings that we get to go to once in a while, which are some of them is in uh, California, the Southern California, Torrance area, is with jujitsu connected to law enforcement. It's just unbelievable, uh, super fun. And yeah. it's almost, I think, when we tell our friends and other people who train jujitsu that are not in law enforcement that we're going to, to Torrance to train at uh, like Gracie University for a week. And that's work for us. People, people get all jealous. <laughs> I would too. I would, that's I would, the Holy would, Grail, huh? Not right. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, I think, like I said, for a person who has that interest, it's, that's, a, that's a, that's an obvious, I think, direction that you would go to because you get to do something you enjoy and call it work. And um, yeah, so yeah. it's hard to beat that. Yeah. So I got, I got turned on to you on Instagram. You do a lot of good trainings on defensive tactics and jiu-jitsu and uh here's one here for everybody to take a look at and maybe you can walk us through what's going on here check this out yeah so, this so is what, me and my coworker jordan with a search pistol search training pistol uh shoot out a laser it's a p320 big p320 model um and just just, just grappling with a gun you know and we uh, we don't really have a role of like officer arrestee or anything like that. I mean, just to experience what that feels like um, for a couple rounds, and it's good. You know, I, I think it's um, eye-opening for sure. It, yeah, it's the, you get to visually see. I think I started sharing stuff just because it. I think not everybody has time or ability to get another person like that, or even a place to train like that. Um, because you can still learn from watching stuff. It's not the same, of course. It's not replacing being able to kinesthetically feel something, but uh, there's value in watching and be like, oh, okay, very interesting. And I try to po- um, point out some some takeaways. So, because I definitely learn when that happens, because I don't get to do it as often as I would want. But um, the times that we've been doing training like that is different. It's really interesting. Um, there's another one actually that uh, was uh, more recently posted where. Yeah, it's just from close quarters. The, one of the takeaways to me that I didn't put on the initial post was that in close quarters with a pistol, uh, you're probably safer, uh, completely engaged. Like if you're that okay. close to touch the person, disengaging, it's not, it actually helps the, the person with the pistol to shoot right. you. Yeah. So if you're that close already and there's no cover around, you might as well just stay in there and go all in because... Um, disengaging and i mean where are you gonna first of all it's, it's not far away enough. it's not close enough to get to cover uh from apple range i mean by the time you take one step away that's i mean that's all you yeah. need right for a uh, pistol yeah. 
I think and, uh, you are referring to this video here. Uh, let's see another video I got from you. Oh, no, that's a totally different one. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, we did with edge weapons, but um, yeah, that's another interesting one. Uh, hallway, like, confined space. Uh, right there, yeah, we try to do um, standing up reactions. And then we did this uh, backfall to uh, using the feet as well. And like yeah, I, I like, like that tactic right there. Nothing, nothing works all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a really good former co-worker of mine. Um, his name is Paul Dudley. He was uh, with our department for uh, a long time before he left. But um, you know, yeah, it's not really coined from him necessarily. But he always used to say, "Everything works, everything fails," and that's true. Yeah. It's a hundred percent true. Um, the wedges on the hips didn't always work. Uh, I got cut sometimes. But my point for making that was in a confined space because people are like oh that's ridiculous like you fall into your back um you know to stay on your feet and that's why i did all the possibilities like i moved to my left mm -hmm. moved to my right i ran away just to illustrate like well staying on your feet in confined space um the only one that i didn't get hot, cut 100 percent at the time was when i ran away like that was it like every other scenario when i was standing up uh especially when we were in the hallway because the hallway is only like what eight ten feet wide right Right. You you can't you can't get off the line enough to not get cut. Yeah. It, it, it's just uh my legs are too short to do um <laughs> what do you call that? Uh teeps, muay thai teeps or uh some people call it a push kick. You uh -huh. know, it's it's not yeah, yeah. um like you know what you call it, the dude in three hundred, right? You do my leg is like I, I try to extend my leg to do a push kick and um my friend Kai, who's the other uh person in that video, he still can just reach out his arm and, and cut me with a knife with my foot. Right. So then really, it, and his arms are longer. People. His arms are longer than your legs. Yeah, he's taller than me, and <laughs> yeah, and um, mm. and if it was an even taller person, it would be the same. So it, yeah, for me, I mean that that could work too. Like I said, everything works, everything fails. I just wanted to see what, um, you know, what was possible, and that's what you do yeah. for. That's what training is for, right? Like, that's the lab. Right. That's what uh, I think. That's a jujitsu analogy that is used all the time. The mat is the laboratory, and yeah. you say like, how? Oh, what did? What would? What happened if I did this? I was like, well, let's find out, you know, and I think that's the best way to, I mean, you obviously can't use real blades and real pistols, but the next best thing is training tools and a mm -hmm. person or people who are willing to, to get after it. And then you get to see, you know, like at least it's like people say, well, that wouldn't work in real life. They're like, well, what else is the, uh, what are the other alternatives? And, um, yeah, how else, how else can you train? And I, well, I always ask people like, well, what would you do in, in that confined space? And, um, and it's interesting to hear the responses because usually there isn't any. And, um, like I said, some people have other responses. I never thought of I was like, huh, I should try that. And I think that's the, you know, kind of like that scientist mindset to always, um, pressure test stuff. I think that's, that's the best way, you know, that's as good as you can do. And that's all you can do after that. So, um, no doubt. I think uh, capturing a video, uh, image wise and sharing it, it I think um, it's it's I think it's helpful to other for other people to see and because we don't like I said I have the luxury sometimes of a little bit extra time so I can I can do those and I have some really good friends to be willing to help me uh, see you know like yeah. right after this I can, I can go down to the training room and um, my friend Kai who's in that video he's like a high school senior uh, he's probably gonna fight MMA when he's um, uh, an adult um, it's just unbelievable athlete and a super humble guy. And um, we're going to mess around with the shock knife, the knife that has the electric uh, 75,000. Uh, <laughs> that, that's all you, brother. That's all you. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take one for the team. See, that's why I said, like, not everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do that, and then I'll watch the video, and I'll, I'll do some <laughs> takeaways. <laughs> right, man. That's what, Somebody got to do one, and the other people can do the other, you know? And uh, like I said, hopefully... So far, like I wouldn't have any injuries or anything, which is that's always a concern where people don't want to get hurt, which almost, I mean, getting hurt in training to me almost negates the value of the training, uh, depending on what the injury was from, you know, um, if it's from lack of conditioning, that's a different situation. Yeah. But, um, you know, freak injuries, freak accidents can happen for sure. I think um, the alternative, like I said, if somebody's presuming they're reasonably fit already and working out and all those things, if, if somebody doesn't want to train because of fear of injury, like uh, I would only counter that one with, well, then you're just going to experience it for real. Then is that the only time? You know, I, I, I personally don't like that. Like that, that, that scares me. Yeah. And be like, well, 
I, I guess I hope that somehow my body is going to figure it out. And, you know, that's why I do all the stuff. Like, I want to know. Like, I want to know how it feels to grapple with my uniform. Yeah. I want to know how yeah. it feels to, to run, even to do treadmill, you know, some silly stuff. Probably my back going uh, hate me for doing it later on and when I'm older. But, I mean, like, I don't want to have a surprise. Like, I don't yeah. want... I don't want something to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was happening when uh, I actually need to have a real, uh, in a real incident. So I try to. Well, that's what practice is. That's what practice is in in athletics. You know, you practice when it's game time, you know what to do and you've been there before, really. Yeah. Like you've been there before. (laughs) There's no, there's no successful team in any sport that can be like, oh, we'll just figure it out when we start playing. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. No. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But some of the takeaways I took from, some of those videos, you know, you wouldn't think, uh, you know, like going going to your back, you know, that's that's kind of counterproductive or counterintuitive to what you would think you would do um, oh, in running, too, especially in, in our profession, you know, with the machismo that a lot of us have in our profession, you know, turning and running. Uh, we wouldn't call it turning and running. We call it disengaging. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I only did that one because. I wanted like that was another thing standing up. That was the only thing left to actually. You know what I didn't do is I didn't run at Kai, which I don't know if anybody would charge the person with the knife. You know that would be another possibility. I would assume that that would get me cut too. And um, you know I think sometimes we don't have the option right to run away, so we have to stand our ground. And what going to the ground in those particular because I say if I had enough space, I think that's the cat. That's the one thing people can't. I guess understand is i'm not saying that that's the answer for every situation because if it was an open space yes i would stay on my feet and get off the line and um stay standing of course like nobody immobilizes themselves on purpose uh or i don't think they would anyways but um in a confined space yeah i i don't know there's just very limited options and and interestingly doing that besides the fact that it uh, makes my limbs my my legs which are the longest limb in my body to be utilized better than if i was standing uh than my arms when my arms not gonna stop nobody if i stick my arm out i'm still getting um right. for sure but um it changes the OODA loop of the other person because the last thing the person with the knife is expecting presuming they didn't see the you know they're not gaming it and you know this is the fifth try or the fifth mm-hmm. attempt or the I mean, if it's the first time, that's not a expected behavior, right? Most people, I think, would either freeze or run run away, maybe. But um, uh, doing that backfall is kind of it throws people. It, it first, you see, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, it, it I almost yeah. slowed down. Like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> and actually, the slowing down is actually a benefit to the other person, right? To the to the person who's doing the backfall, because the the the, the distance being closed is it takes longer. And I, I know a lot of times. We'll have to almost tell the person who's you with the knife row to keep coming forward. I'm going to backfall, but just keep coming forward. Because if we don't say that, then when you do the backfall uh, in the shooting position on your back, supine, a lot of times the person with the knife stops. Like they stop and they're like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to get around the legs or cut the foot or whatever. And I mean, obviously in real time, in real situation, you could use the opportunity to to uh, to shoot right? yeah. if, if, if you're able to do so. So yeah. anyway. And, uh, it's all, and <laughs> yeah, it's all training, man. It's, it's all training, and, and we all we all benefit from it. all benefit from it. And then you know you're talking about you know in uh, more open spaces when you need to you know move left, move right, get offline. Uh, again, got another video. So <laughs> let, why don't you walk us through this one here? That's my other. It's another uh, high school kid in our community uh, named Dylan. Super nice guy. The point of this one just to I think people got it. I didn't have to write it, but uh, from the draw, right, reacting to the action of the other person, you are super, super behind. I mean, there's just you cannot if you if I don't game it, right? Like knowing he has a pistol in his waistband, he's gonna draw it. Even that, I mean, that's not really realistic, anyways, right? Because I already know in advance he's gonna present it, but uh, waiting for his action and yeah. then reacting to it. You can see from the first, it's like really behind. And I think the problem like for that is, right, even if your draw is, I don't know how, what the fastest would be, but um, with our retention, the horses uh, that we have that have the retention, is, is you know, it's not, takes longer too to, to release them. But um, yeah, we wouldn't be able to get the um, presentation before you got hit, standing right. still. Exactly. Presuming they're not being, you know, sideways or 
um, anything like that. And from that distance, which is about, or, or shooting think, or shooting like this, yeah. Well, even like break I mean, yourself, first, yeah. break yourself, fool. We're, yeah, <laughs> we were about we we're about 10, 15 feet away from each other. So it was not you didn't even have to use the sights. I mean, it's just yeah. the person's silhouette is right there. You put the the present uh, presentation to the person and you're probably going to hit them um, from that distance. 100 percent of the time when I didn't move, I'll get hit first. Like there was just I mean, that was um, like if I say everything works, everything fails. If I if standing still is the the only um recourse you're probably going to get hit and um that doesn't mean moving you will not get hit either and that was the hard part i had to accept too. like even when i was moving uh i got hit sometimes but at least it wasn't every time and i think that was the main takeaway for me in that scenario you know whatever the direction was whether it was angled off to the left or angled to the right um i got hit less than standing still so. yeah good good stuff good stuff man i'll continue to watch that and get some tips and and you can take the shock knives all, <laughs> all day long for you know, me. And then, uh, so that I means the, the whole point is like people have these ideas about like, oh, this would work, that would work, right? And and uh, they're presented in, um, especially online, right, in comment threads or sections. And like, I, I, I don't, I appreciate those ideas. It just, like, I want to see it. Like, I want to see it. And, and even better, right? I want to yes. experience it. And um, I was just thinking about this uh, recently with that post or that video when uh, I moved off the line to the right or left. Because um, the person obviously knows you're moving after you initially moved and they can track you, right? And I was like, huh, what if like, wow. So the takeaway was, right, move and draw, um, not just one or the other, right? Because that's too long. Um, staying still is probably, like I said, that's that's really hard to not get hit up, um, in. And then I was like, wow, what if you like move and draw, but pump fake one way, you know? Like, so you you get off the line moving and then, because the person who's tracking you, right? Because you're going left, and they can catch up. Hopefully, by that time, you put rounds on them. But um, yeah, that's a that's another video, maybe later. But um, that's the whole point. Right? Training is the lab. You're the scientist, and you're trying to experiment, conduct experiments, and see with some real data that not just made up, you know, from somebody's um, theory. Something actually works. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So you've been up in. Uh in Bellevue for 15 years now, and you're really mm -hmm. entrenched in that community. What's, what's the, like the demographics of Bellevue? Uh, it's super diverse. Um, I like it. It reminds me of Hawaii. I don't know at what point it became that, but at some point between when I uh, started working here and now, um, the basically the minorities became the majority. Um, I don't know what the current percentage is, but I forget. I think maybe 2015, 16, which was probably... The last time they did a census of the kids in the school district, it was some uh, number that shocked me about la languages spoken in the homes of students in the district. It was, um, it was like over 80, over 80 languages spoken in the homes wow. of kids in our school district. And that, yeah. I mean, that shocked me because as a, you know, I went to I went to college, graduated with my BA in psych, but I'd still consider myself fairly uneducated. Like I couldn't even think of that many languages. Um, I'm assuming they're counting the dialects of of, of a lot of different um, countries too. But yeah, and then that's reflect. Like I go into the elementary school, one of our elementary schools, uh, Stevenson Elementary, and you go into the cafeteria during lunchtime. Back when we had lunch and school, it was <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> look like look, look like the United Nations in there. I mean, there All were right, people yeah. from everywhere, which is which is beautiful and. Um, same thing. We we'll walk around the parks, our Crossroads Park, where I uh, where I work. Um, I remember one time uh, by our we have a world class skate bowl, skate bowl, uh, skateboard bowl in the park there, and um, it draws a lot of people. Right, like it's like a magnet, especially when they see an officer in uniform with a skateboard. They're like, "What's going on over here?" So they walk up, and um, I start speaking with people and ask, like, "Where are you guys from?" You know, like a lot of people in Washington, they don't. They're not born and raised in Washington, right? Lots of people relocate, just like I'm assuming California too. But, um, yeah. you know, they'll say like France, China, Africa, Brazil. I mean, like, name a country yeah. and there's somebody from there living yeah. here. I guess. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. It's great. Yeah, I know uh, the Pacific Northwest where you are and San Francisco, all that's a big mecca for uh, a lot of immigrants to come there, you know, especially from yep. uh, Asian countries and yep. and uh, you know Pacific Islands and all that. So, yeah, I, I can see you get all that up there. I see. You yeah, get that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's, that made me a little bit less homesick to see people from 
so many places. Not as much Pacific Islander, not as much people from um, uh, like Samoa, Tonga. I think most most of those people stay like South Seattle, but um, there's a, there's there's a few. And uh, every once in a while, it's it's, I, it's different from California in that um, there's less people from Hawaii. And California has like so much people from Hawaii that live there, yeah. uh, Las Vegas too. But um, there are still people up here. They have like a Hawaii general store up here set up, and I'm sure all the like UW and um, the other colleges in this area probably have Hawaii clubs for all the students who come from Hawaii to go to school there. But uh, it's still not as as saturated as California. So meeting somebody or coming across someone who is from the islands is always it's still uh, novel and it's still uh, super cool to. Yeah to bump into somebody that has a Hawaii connection. And that happens, that happens every once in a while too. So I, I always enjoy when we get to talk about uh, back home to yeah. some person up here. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, what, what drew you to, to law enforcement when you were back home? Um, I, I wish I had a cool story about that. My, my both parents, um, my mom uh, taught public school for almost uh, 40 years. My dad, worked in the Department of Labor and um, super hardworking, both of them. And uh, my cousins, even the, my, a lot of my uncles and aunties on both sides, you know, super educated. So I had a high standard to live up to academically on all sides. That got continued by my cousins, similar age cousins who all graduated. And so I, I, I initially was almost by influence, their influence to be doing something pushed into a direction of like, some kind of thing like that but i just didn't want to you know i didn't want to teach because my mom taught because i could see how much work she did in the lesson plans and the the non-paid prep that she had to do Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like that's crazy like that's just too much work and um and my sister my she's two years younger than me um she's a pediatrician now and i think i forget what year it was but by the time she was middle school i kept on thinking that she was going to have like academic difficulty like i did when she uh, progressed through her her school, you know, but then when she kept on getting 4.0, I was like, oh man, like, <laughs> I, by, by eighth grade year of hers, when I was in high school, I was like, she's not going, she's clearly going to be doing way better than me. And, um, you know, did you have a little kind of difficulty? Like, did you have difficulty getting through school or? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I hung around smart people, so I was super lucky. <laughs> so by, by what is the osmosis a little bit, right? Did you hang around smart people? You're going to be smarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess the opposite will also be true, but um, I was lucky Absolutely. to have a circle of friends who are very, um, really, really good influence. And um, that was the difference for me. Like I probably would have gravitated toward whatever my group of friends was doing. So um, when I finished college and, and that was another thing, like I didn't, I, w- I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have went if it weren't for the circle of friends that all also went. So um, after that, I did, like I said, I was personal trainer a little while and then um, outreach counselor for a little bit. I worked in a group home with kids that had autism or teens, basically, on the, on the spectrum. And those are all cool jobs to my parents. You know, everything, and they'd be like, oh, good, you're, you're doing well. And they never specifically said it, but in the back of their, I could always sense that in the back of their minds, they were thinking, that's really good, but when are you going to get a real job? Like every time, like I say, oh, I'm doing this personal training thing or <laughs> I'm doing this yeah. uh, working in a group home. You're like, oh, good, good, good. And, and it, was, it was hard, too, because my sister at that time, she was, uh, she was at a medical school at a Creighton University in Nebraska. And um, or she was doing her residency in San Francisco at the Oakland uh, Children's Hospital. And um, so I had a high standard to live up to in that side. I was like, man, there's not I, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I think I pick, I fell into this job just because. Um, Partly because I could say, well, they, you know, they can, they can't, they can finally say like it's like a, a legitimate job for for their eyes, I think. And right. they never said it, but I think I could tell it was like, oh, going into the police academy. They was like, oh, good, good. <laughs> what what so, else? What else? Good then uh, that they accepted uh, police work because I know, uh, yeah, hopefully that's not a, a stereotype that in a lot of Asian uh, households, uh, even law enforcement's not a, an honorable career or a career you'd want to steer your kids to. And, and that could be in a lot of households. I know in a lot of black households, they don't want their sure. kids in, uh, in law enforcement for, for a yeah. number of reasons. Uh, number one, you know, moms don't want their kids, want their babies being cops, you know, for safety reasons. But, you know, can you, can you speak think, on that? Um, yeah, they never said anything. I mean, I think, like I said, for me, mostly it was just because um, I had these other tracks uh, or uh, precedents 
because I was the first one in my family to do law enforcement. So I have a pretty big family on both sides. My mom and dad have uh, lots of brothers and sisters, uh, lots of uncles and aunties, and all the cousins did other stuff. And I think if I had gone in the same pathways as them, then it would be like too much, too easy to just compare, you know? And then, like I said, like if, if I was going to do something like medical school, which I would never be able to do, it'd almost be unfair. I'd feel like it would be an unattain unattainable um, goal or, or, or I guess expect level of expectation because yeah. my mm -hmm. sister was like really, really uh, academically solid and um, a lot of other stuff like music too, same thing. So the other career pathways that my other cousins had, like I just kind of partly I wanted to do something different. And I think my parents, besides the job, the aspect of the job and the potential danger and all of that, I think what my parents, especially my dad, was thinking about was, oh, you know, working for the city and you know, that's a really solid um, uh, compensatory package, good, uh, decent retirement, you know, I'll get insurance and all those things. So they were thinking from that aspect. And and I think the other jobs that I had, even though they were, I felt like they were all great prep, prep for what I do right now, I didn't have as good as uh, benefits as as that. So I think yeah. they were kind of more like, okay, so at least now you're going to have, you know, good coverage. <laughs> so, yeah. well. I, I could, well, I could, play, I could, I could blaze my old trail too, right? Yeah. I didn't have to compare. There's no other relative of mine that'd be like, "Oh, you could be like this." Like, "Oh, you can be a doctor." Or, you could be like your sister. It's like, I don't want to be like my sister. <laughs> no. So, no, no, yeah, yeah. And, and I think you found the the the, the right one for you because uh, you, you're doing good stuff up there in the community up there. Pretty eclectic dudes, you know. Uh, from what I've uh -huh. seen, uh, another another thing here that uh, you know I got off your your IG is that you're pretty entrenched. In the community over there, um, you can walk us through the kind of stuff with with kids. You do a lot of stuff with kids. Are, are were you an SRO at some time, or some point, or is that the community officer position you were talking about? Well, that's all the station stuff. Um, I work really well with the SROs. Well, I like to think so. Uh, we have a really good school resource officer program. I think at least in my eye, on an individual and, uh, level, that has to a lot of the kids society. who are no uh, we reason. meet. Whenever you see a cop, the, it's the same same, same population. The, the video goes. So, I don't know, like all those things, skateboarding, basketball, jujitsu. I mean, that's all my hobbies, you know. I played I played when I was a kid or I tried to play when I was a kid. And <laughs> you tried to. <laughs> it, it's just, I mean, the weird part is they, they're all very, people say, wow, that's like such a, such different hobbies. And I think nowadays people don't do that anymore. Like people, right, if you are if you play a sport, like you specialize in that sport and you play it year round, it's like, man, that's obviously that's why people are so good, right? They don't, they don't do nothing else. But I think the advantage that, I had growing up was I was exposed to a lot of stuff. I got to try a lot of different things. So I'm not super good at any of them, but I'm decent at a lot of them. Yeah. And then each of those different, I guess, whatever you want to call it, hobby, sport, or whatever, they have um, their own different groups that participate in them. And they're not overlapping groups, right? People who play basketball, they don't always skateboard. And people who do jujitsu, they don't always um, play trombone. But since I can... I mean, I think what ended up eventually happening is I can use, I'm using my little uh, hobbies or interests in all these different backgrounds as a way to connect. And I think the, the, the neat thing about that is they're all, they're all different. You know, exercise. Um, <laughs> nobody was injured in this clip right here, you know. <laughs> I don't know how I would have to explain that one if somebody like got hurt. Uh, or I got hurt doing that one, but um, if you got hurt, yeah, yeah, but I <laughs> kids will just bounce them. back, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they have the LNI packet question, which is how could this injury have been prevented? And then you know, probably the answer I would have put on that one was like you know, <laughs> something like stretch more or more, you know, more strength training for the lower body or core, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've had to fill out a few of those <laughs> in my career. I yeah. know I know how that works. I know how that works. Yeah, but I, what I wanted to get to on that was that, you know, you're, you're pretty entrenched. You, you know, you work with the kids a lot. Um, I, these videos I see, you know, you work with, uh, you know, underprivileged communities. I've seen you give out uh, food and furniture and clothing and all that type of stuff. Uh, that, that's real good stuff, man. How large is that unit that, you know, when it's normally working outside of COVID? Yeah, well, there's no unit. I mean, uh, those uh, outreaches that you mentioned, the the furniture donation, the 
the food service. I mean, what those were or how they became was just the different nonprofits we have in our community, which we have um, a lot of, like Salvation Army, Boys and Girls Club, YMCA. They're all fantastic. Uh, we have good working relationship with them, or at least I feel like we do. So they do some, they have, obviously, they serve populations that we would uh, come in contact with once in a while. Or, and even if we don't, it's just good to know people in our community, right? So we use the, I, I saw those uh, opportunities, like we have dinners every uh, weeknight served at the Salvation Army back before uh, the pandemic. And they were already doing it. So, so I came up to the dinners and I would ask the guys coordinate the meal, like, hey, we should, we should serve one once a month or something. And then they was like, sure. So that's how that started. And in the furniture stuff, we have a nonprofit that has a transitional housing uh, down down the road from uh, the downtown area, and they bring in people uh, who are coming out of homelessness, either a shelter or living in their car or whatever, and uh, they get placed there. And they don't have no furniture, right? Because you come in and from from that situation, and where are you gonna put the furniture? You don't have any room for anything except your clothes. So there's a lot of uh, population that I, one I met actually just we have shelters in our city too winter shelters that uh, for families and um, women and families and a men's shelter and one of the family shelters when I was walking through one of the families got placed into one of the housings in our same city and that was a not that doesn't always happen right because you get placed anywhere in the region you could be placed you know 20 miles from the shelter uh, and then you go there right but uh, the one that we uh, had the family that I met, they got placed in the shelter, uh, from the shelter to the housing in our city, just four miles away. And then, um, you know, I, and I visited them there. And then, you know, when I went in, I was like, wow, no furniture, which is still better than a shelter. I mean, there's there's no way any person would choose having a, being in a shelter over an unfurnished apartment because it's your own place, right? And um, I was like, man, how can, where are you guys going to get furniture from? And I said, well, there's a donation thing. There's like a lot of nonprofits, which like I said, amazing uh collaborations yeah. uh, jubilee reach is another one that mimics or mirrors uh, what salvation army does but it was an interesting dilemma which still exists right now and and that is there is no connector uh you have the furniture we donated furniture from uh, great people in our community it's a lot of times at like a place like habitat for humanity uh the jubilee reach thrift or they're all there and they're all uh willing to be um provided to the families the problem is there's no nice. delivery point like the, the people who have the need, they don't have a vehicle that can transport a couch right, or a bed. Yeah. And then the the biz, the, bit, the, or the nonprofit who has the furniture at their facility, they don't have a thing to deliver it. So then I was like, why don't we use our property van to, to take it? Like nobody's, I mean, we use it periodically to transport a large property, but you know, nobody was using it otherwise. And I was like, that van could fit a mattress and a couch and a bunch of chairs. And, you know, my position, oh, yeah. like I said, when I was in, in uh, patrol on, on the community station officer position. It's not tied to the radio as much. So I was like, I could, I could drive the van, pick up the furniture from the place or donated from uh, whatever family, and then I could bring it to the families that need it. And that's how that became that. So I think I didn't create nothing. Like I just saw the situations that we have and the, the different entities that are already in place. And I just yes. connect the dots, you know? So I'm just like the connector. That's, that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. My man, that's what's up, man. R right now, you are in the box, but what you do is outside the box. <laughs> there, there is no box for what I do. I just figure, hey, this would be a good idea. Yeah, just do it and, you know, figure out. the. I, I can say right now that driving a large um, uh, van, that's not easy. And uh, <laughs> I didn't you have never driven things. a U-Haul. No, bro, that's, 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 that's out of my... Uh, I have a lot of respect for those guys. That yeah. and and you know carrying up furniture up a couple flights of stairs. Yes. You know. And you were in uniform too, right? In uniform, right? That doesn't help, but uh no. We get it done, you know. And uh, I think the coolest thing uh, out of all of that is the fact that a lot of those families uh who are placed in those places, I don't say I don't say most of them don't have negative experience with us with law enforcement, but the only time they see us, especially the ones who are in the shelter because of domestic violence, they only see mostly us when there's some kind of crisis right and some kind of terrible incident and then yes. here we are you know and then we're gone and it's like and then terrible incident happens again here we are and then we're gone again and it's like in between those you know there's nothing else usually because we're not we're not going to go when nothing's wrong right typically and uh i think that's um that's a neat thing when we can do it 
Like we can this person who has this contact, and especially if it is something connected to something that's not good, like a arrest of a family member or something like that, right? If it's a kid or a young person, it's not unreasonable for the young person to to think negative connections of police when the police took their dad or mom, even if they were being unsafe for the family, right? That's the mm -hmm. only time you see law enforcement. You'd be like, yeah, I would, I'll, I'll make that connection too. So I think the hard part is nowadays, especially for us to um, provide some other perspective to people, especially the people like, I don't really care if the general population, what they think, you know, because they can think whatever they want. If they're not living here, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but the people who are in our community, um, if they, if we can share like, Hey, we can uh, provide this service or this support besides nine on one. I think it makes a, it makes a bigger difference, I guess, in the long term. Cause then yeah. some of those kids, when they grow up, they can be like, well, when did you, you know, what is your experience with the police? And like, some of them are going to say like, well, when they delivered the furniture to us and it's like, man, yeah, that's yeah, see cool. that, yeah. That's that's really cool. That's that's what, you know, community service and community outreach and all that is all about, you know, um, trying to instill those different uh, ideals in, in sure. people, not not just kids. But you know, kids are helpful because then when they grow up, they, they wouldn't have had all those negative experiences with police. So SROs yeah. and community outreach and all that. That's that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because, uh, you know, some people who are very negative about the view of law enforcement or who believe that some you know sometimes that we shouldn't even exist like i would share when we share stuff about uh the furniture delivery and uh things like that i i i, don't, I try not to pay attention but i always kind of peruse like other people's comments and sometimes it says stuff like like what is it it's not a it's not a compliment uh it's not a negative thing but it's like a backhanded compliment but oh that's like that's good but somebody else should be doing that not you guys and or, or something like that right and like, especially the furniture one that happened uh, fairly recently and yeah. and the funny part is there well, isn't if, another entity yeah there's there so is say, if not us then who well who's going to do it? yeah and, then, and that's my whole point was there, there would be no delivery of anything if, if we didn't facilitate this and that's kind of like what we do not as far as specifically furniture right but that's what we do like our job is besides the 911 response is if there's a person who is uh, on the side of the road with like car trouble we'll, we'll help them figure that out if there's a person who has the lost in the city like we'll give them a ride or you know stuck in some place because mm -hmm. of uh, the weather would would help them out i mean we that's what we do um yeah but anyways i know people public, who, who, public who, servants public servants yeah. yeah and uh i know another thing that you do yeah uh, you you grew up in in hawaii did you surf in hawaii or <laughs> no no first of all uh, not everybody in Hawaii knows how to swim. And luckily, I do. But uh, luckily, you do. <laughs> a very common assumption, right? Like, oh, Hawaii, you have to know how to swim and surf and all that. But I, I could swim. I was taught how to swim, luckily, at a young age. But uh, surfboards, if you didn't know, they're super expensive. They're not cheap. Right. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, I know. It's like several hundred dollars. Um, you know, my parents, uh, they were very supportive of a lot of stuff, but not of buying me a, you know, five foot something tall surfboard that costed like $400, especially when uh, I wasn't able to access the beach by myself. Like I could catch the bus there, but they wouldn't, you know, I don't think they trusted like a nine-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid to do that. And I didn't really have any other friends who uh, were into surfing either. So I didn't have the group, you know, to go with. So mm -hmm. it'd be like, if I wanted to, it'd be me by, my, by myself, which my parents were like, no, nah, you're not going to do that. So skateboarding became my surfing. And um, it was way easier, you know, for me, because one, I didn't have to, besides the 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 cost being less and uh all, all the friends in um my neighborhood being skateboarders too there was not the uh, um you don't have to wait you know that's one thing i didn't like about surfing like it's like yeah, you have to be patient and wait for the wave for and that take wave. turns and like, other people and that's good you know that's a very good life lesson i'm not i'm not talking that but just for me personally like, I, I wanted to wake up and then put my shoes on and just go you know not not have to uh take an hour to bus to the beach or carry the surfboard or and then once in the ocean got away for the waves like i wanted to just go you know and um so it worked out and uh, like i said that's another thing like i don't think i could do my surfing outreach up here in washington a little bit too cold right now and a little uh, bit just a little not, bit not, not, not quite the same <laughs> going in the ocean with a wetsuit you know like something about being able to swim without freezing is uh yeah comforting you know to, to people so yeah. luckily I, I chose skateboarding and it, it has definitely uh 
help me build the bridges. Because you're, so. you're still using that today. Let's check it out. Skateboarder with, out there with kids, huh? It's good stuff. Look at that. You're still pretty good at it, huh? Yeah. Some of those stunts on stacked skateboards and <laughs> I like I like that move. <laughs> it looks like yeah, super fun. fun. That's our skate camp, city skate camp, city run uh, skate camp every. Uh, Throughout the year, they have about six during the summertime. They didn't have any this past summer, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, literally, the, uh, most of the footage is uh, from my iPhone, you know. I just mm-hmm. ride and fo- follow people around. And then um, we get some shots of us uh, skating, too. And I mean, that camp is already set up. So I don't have to, like I said, that's another thing. I don't have to make anything. I just supplement it. Yeah. You know, I just add on to it. And uh, it's the well, best. Well, like some it, of those... it, it helps to be able to know how to skateboard, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, you can't skate, then sorry, yeah, you know, sorry, yeah. and you're not going to be able to. I, I would, I would be no good there. <laughs> well, it's uh, <laughs> it's like one of those things, right? Like, it's like any other activity or sport, right? I mean, if you're gonna go to the courts and uh, you're gonna try to play some pickup, and then before you start, you better hang on. What is the rules again of basketball? They're gonna look at you like, okay, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, just come back yeah. later when you buy yourself or something, right? And same thing, so. I think it's um, co- connection and finding things in common with activities are just so much easier to do than sitting in a circle and talking to people, you know, like that's my preference. And uh, I don't, I don't really enjoy, I can, I like, I like this, the activities better because I don't have to say anything. Like you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to have a dialogue when you're skateboarding, right? Or, or any, right. any activity. Like basketball. Well, it's organic. It's organic if you yeah, do. I mean, it's just out there having fun. Yeah, it's out there having fun. Yeah. That's the best way, right? And um, so I don't know. I, I feel like if one thing our our profession could do better is to to help uh, humanize us, especially nowadays. You know, is is connecting with communities through things that people um, have in common. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything, right? Whatever it is. Uh, and I think that's and it's so easy because it's not. It's very it's genuine and um, you know, like I said, I think it really humanizes us. To, to do to do that and um i think the coolest thing is now the skate camps they run uh, hopefully this year we'll have them is they're gonna be um the kids in the beginning some of them go have gone for several years already that i met you know from like 2017 18 and it went from for the first time seeing me the first day one of the week uh parents included being like why is there a why is there an officer over here? Because the staff are the staff were re- great. I mean, that's the first thing. The collaboration couldn't happen without the support of the staff. You know, who are all um, skaters and city employees. But besides that, um, the initial hesitancy of like, what's going on here? Why are you like, what's what's something wrong? You know. So it went from that mindset to like now, if I miss one, then I come back the next day or the next camp. They're like, "Hey, how come you weren't here? Like, what, what's going on? Like, did you have a call or something?" Like, yes. They're expecting me to be there now. It's, it's great, you know. So it's it's almost like they f- they forget that um, I'm wearing the uniform. Yeah. Or they not forget, but they 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 look past. They don't pay attention. They don't pay they don't attention. Pay attention. Like, yeah. I'm just a skateboarding uh, uh, officer. That's it. <laughs> That's what's up. Love that. Love that. So so what's next with uh for Craig? Or Officer Hanaomi, what's uh, what what's the future like for you? In the next five years, next ten years. Same thing. I, I don't think anything. Well, ten years. I don't know. I'm not planning that far out. Uh, but I'll probably still be. I'll be winding up my career. Hopefully, hopefully. And uh, I mean, in the meantime, I, I people ask sometimes about promotion and things like that. But uh, I mean, I guess that could happen. I think a lot of my coworkers who started after me in Bellevue are already supervisors. You know, but. Um, the downside to me of being in a supervisory position is I wouldn't be able to do all that stuff. Like I'd, I, I would have to let somebody else do it, I guess. And right now we don't have another skateboarding cop. So it's only me right now. So <laughs> I got to keep doing that one until we have another person, you know, and they're out there. I get messages from people all over the country and in other parts of the 
yeah. the world actually who, who who are in law enforcement that had skated before and you know they see a video of mine and then they're like wow i never thought of doing that as a connect a way to connect um and i never thought of it either until uh maybe 2015 2016 so uh it was just fun right and it's like wait a minute this is not just fun for me it's a way to connect just like basketball baseball football any other sport or activity it's like it's this thing in common with another person that you never met that like i said like you are very talked about dale you don't have to speak about it and i don't have to ask you like oh isn't this a fun thing but we're already doing it you know? you're already That's having great. fun you're already having fun that's that's what's up. Love that. Love that. So keep up the good work. And some some point you got to get off that skateboard. Just just not today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know some, when my body says that's enough, I'll be like, all right. All right. I probably yeah. won't listen to it. But, uh, you know, somebody will be like, hey, come on, <laughs> give somebody else a chance. When the when the, my replacement comes in, uh -huh. I'll be like, all right, I can be the I can be the corp now. I appreciate you coming on, but before we get you out of here, uh, you know how I do on this show. I play a game with my guests before we get them out of here. So let me set this up here for you. This is called a fighter's chance. Fighter's chance. Since you, you're into uh, jujitsu, what I'm going to do is I'm going to flash a, uh, a name of a fighter. And this is just going to be the nickname. The nickname of the fighter. You tell me, is that a real fighter or is that... Uh, <laughs> Or is that a fighter that's like on TV, you know, like a character, like Spider-Man, you know what I mean? So oh it, <laughs> you'll, you'll be good. I'm sure you know, you know, the MMA, MMA UFC fighters, right? I'm so, a casual fan. So there, we'll okay. So hopefully we can get you through this here. <laughs> Here's your first one. Kato, what do you think? He's real, real frictional. <laughs> well, I know that one. We got uh, Bruce Lee's uh, grave over here. So yes, that is fictional. Yep, Kato from the Green Hornet. All right, see, off to a good start. See, not that not that hard, right? Is next one Hitman? 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 I don't know. Are we talking about all sports? I know boxing. Is not no, Thomas we're talking. Yep, correct. We're talking about fighters. Thomas the yeah. Hitman Hearns. He was a boxer. See? Yeah, we're talking about fighters. These are fighters. These are real fictional fighters. All right. Here's your next one. Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. From my pride to the UFC, Rampage Jackson. Rampage is real. Quentin Rampage Jackson, MMA fighter. See, three for three. You, you thought three, you weren't gonna be able to get this. Well, I'm <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stop right here. <laughs> here's your next <laughs> one. Here we go. Here's, here's your next one, brother. The Prodigy. Yeah. See, you cannot put anything from Hawaii in me. If I don't get the Hawaii ones, then you just like cancel all my credibility right now. <laughs> Um, that's BJ Penn from Wainaku, Hilo. Oh, yes. BJ Penn. All right, see? Not DJ Penn, but BJ Penn. All right. <laughs> all right here, here's your next one Walker. <laughs> He's like beyond uh, real, real life. He's like the legend. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about uh, Mr. Chuck Norris. Yes. <laughs> Cordell Walker, fictional Walker, Texas Ranger, but yeah, he's he's real fictional. He's he's beyond, right? Like <laughs> the yeah. See, you you doing it? You doing it here? Here's the next one. <laughs> Golden Boy. Uh oh, I should know. It's on the tip of my tongue right now. Is all you gotta say is he real or fictional? Oh, real. He is real. Oscar yeah. De La Hoya. He was a boxer. Yeah. See I'm not a boxer, but yeah, that's definitely. Uh, yeah, you should know. Golden Boy, right? All right, here's your next one. Black Dynamite. Oh. Shoot, I'm going to have to say real. I don't know, but I would say real. Oh, your first one wrong. Oh. It's a fictional character from the movie Black Dynamite. He's played by a real fighter, Michael Jai White. Uh. I know you him, but that was a movie, Black Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, you're entitled to get one wrong, right? Still passing. Couple, yeah, a couple more, a couple more here for okay. you. Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse. See, going for the Washington connection, the Demetrius uh, Johnson. Yes, correct. Demetrius, is, is he from uh, up there in Washington? Yep. I never nice. got to meet him. Uh, one of my coworkers did at a promotion he was doing, which is, uh, what is I forget when he won the one championship, but um, yeah. He's like my size too, I think. Like, uh, like featherweight, right? Or, mm -hmm. Let's see. Straw weight, phantom weight. Anyway. 
And hence Mighty Mouse, right? Right. <laughs> All right. A uh, couple more. Here we go. Your next one is Scorpion. Scorpion. <laughs> uh, Real or fictional? I'm going to guess fictional. That is correct. You know him from the game Mortal Kombat. Right? So, uh, somebody should be a fighter right now and coin, uh, nickname themselves that in the Black Dynamite. And then they're going to be real. Yeah. That's, right, that's too right? catchy. What, what's, it, what's Scorpion's catchphrase? You know that one? I know. Come yeah. here. You don't remember that one? <laughs> Get over here. Remember from the game? <laughs> not a, I'm not. I, I watched a lot of friends play Mortal Kombat, but I was never a video game person. So. All right. All right. Next one. Show enough. <laughs> That's a fiction uh, last dragon. Yes. <laughs> Played yeah. by Julius Carey in the last dragon. And uh, your last one, the spider. Yes. Anderson Silva. Yes, that is correct. All right. See, so you yeah, got double bonus. I not only said it was real fiction, I said what the person was. You even said yeah. You even said his name. You, you got you got most of them right. You only got one wrong. So we're gonna call you. All right, Mister. You bro you breeze through that. No problem at all. You you got hung up on one, but <laughs> could have gone either way, and you, and you would have been a hundred percent. But man, I appreciate you. I appreciate I you. Thanks for having me on, Dale. Anytime, uh, come back and hopefully I have some new footage for the next time you come in when I come back. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where can people reach you on, on IG? What's the IG? Uh, just my name, Craig, C-R-A-I-G, Hanaumi, H-A-N-A-U-M-I. And um, yeah, I primarily use that. And um, there's a Facebook page that is the equivalent you know, of it, but um, that's my main two ones. So yeah. I appreciate it and check it out whenever next time hopefully i have some i can learn some new tricks or moves or something to to have uh shared yeah everybody check that the out shock night, the stuff. shock night video is coming you guys the shock <laughs> night video i'm not looking forward to it but i'll sacrifice for science you know I, i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to you getting <laughs> shocked with <it. laughs> all right craig i appreciate you thanks and be and be safe out there man don't don't get don't get shocked too much with that shock knife all right <laughs> do. thank you appreciate it all right take care brother appreciate you all right yeah I Square Pegs, that about does it for the very first episode of season two of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank my guests here today, Officer Craig Hanaumi of the Bellevue, Washington Police Department for joining me on this action-packed episode. If you guys out there enjoyed this episode as much as I did, make sure you like and subscribe to the Black and Blue Podcast on our YouTube channel or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'll be back in two weeks with another interview. You know, that's the new format. Every other week I drop a recorded pod and in between I drop a live with my partner Lizzie. But until then, y'all know what to do. Stay black in blue. We'll holla at you. Peace. This has been a Nature Day Entertainment presentation.